Happy Thanksgiving and welcome back to the Find and Follow podcast, where we are all about helping you find and follow Jesus in your everyday life. We've got a special episode this week. The High Sounding Nonsense series has really created a lot of questions, a lot of conversations. And so Kyle and I took some time this last Sunday to answer some of your questions you had in a special Q&A. But in case you don't know on this series, um, it's it's a series for something. Uh, some, of, some of the thoughts and conversations we've had is like, oh, are you guys going to get after and go against something? And they would bring up maybe a specific topic or a specific group of people. And it really isn't. The series idea was just that, um, that we would be for the good news of Jesus Christ. And unfortunately, in our culture, there's so much out there that sounds like the truth, but isn't really the truth. And Paul warns, like if you've read the New Testament, Paul warns, I don't, this, I don't even know if this is correct, but almost every, maybe you correct me, I'm looking at you, but like almost every one of his letters that he's writing is because there's some of these lies that are like half-truths or three-quarter truths going around. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like who got in there and was like spreading this stuff around? And uh, what, what got you off track, you know? And so in Colossians 2 is where we get this term, high-sounding nonsense from the New Living Translation, but it says this. It says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And so we are just for the good news of Jesus Christ in the series, and, and um, you know, we just want to be helpful. And a lot of these questions that you're asking are like, well, how do I help others? And what's, what's a good approach on that? And I love that, that the heart is to help one another. Um, as far as the format, you know, if you're newer with us, this is, we don't do this typically. Uh, Kyle and I banter a lot, and so we do a lot of podcasts, a lot of our message planning. Um, we know the questions, obviously, and we have that laid out, but we don't know each other's answers, so it's kind of unscripted in that sense. So he prepared some stuff, I prepared some stuff, and then we'll see what happens for the next few minutes together. Uh, I related it earlier. It's a little bit like freestyle. I've been listening to a lot of hip-hop lately, and uh, this is a little bit like a freestyle. Oh, that's where the fly came from. Yeah. 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 Okay. Maybe I've been listening to, like, 90s hip-hop, and that's maybe why. 90s. Okay, so. Except I think fly was way, yeah, anyway. Anyways. Uh, Let's let's, get to a question. Well, before we do that, I just want to, here's what we're for. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Romans 1, Paul puts it this way in verse 16 and 17. He says, for I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. And so the good news today is that God's at work, his power's at work in our lives. That's what we're longing for, needing. We need power to overcome things and get through life. And uh, it's the power to save us and to be made right with God through faith and not by works of our own. Uh, and that's, that's the beautiful good news of Jesus Christ in a yeah. nutshell. And again, to your point, that's, that's what this series is all about. It's not about uh, blasting this or, or coming against that. It's about let's present the good news of Jesus because when we see that, we'll understand uh, how awesome and holy it is and how high-sounding some of the stuff that comes against it is. So let's get to our first question. Uh, this one says, how do we call out a friend or a family member on high-sounding nonsense without hurting feelings or turning them away from Christians? Such a good question. Um, I don't know about you, but I have had so many conversations with friends, uh, family members, people I care about, people I love, and uh, conversations around Jesus. And how do I point people to Jesus and have a healthy conversation without being argumentative, without being judgmental, without being uh, self-righteous? 
Um, and I can think of many, many conversations uh, with friends, and it's easy to, to get into this argument or to say these things and not be super helpful. And this was probably one of the points that we thought, this is, this is where people are going to deal with this, the meat of this. Like, okay, how does this work in real life? How does this work in my conversations? Um, and uh, I thought about two things. We talked a little bit about this um, as we were diving into the content of this message. I think the first thing that we need to understand is that this is a spiritual battle. Uh, there's spiritual stuff going on. So the biggest weapon in your arsenal is prayer. Uh, we need to pray for people. And, I mean, if, if you think that you have all the, the right words and you can do all the right stuff and you have the best arguments formatted, um, I'm telling you, you're not good enough. <laughs> you're not going to have the right answers. I, I don't have the right answers, and I have tried to talk to friends that I care about and love them and argue them to Jesus. It will not work. They have to experience the love of Jesus. And so it's a spiritual battle, and I, we first and foremost need to pray for people and let God do a work in their heart, because there's something that God can only do that you can't do. And I believe when people experience the love of Jesus, their life is changed. So there has to be an interaction uh, with the Heavenly Father. And so um, pray for them, and then I just think we need to point people towards Jesus. Uh, we talked a lot about this um, in this series and in our Judge Jesus series. Uh, Jesus needs to be the emphasis I, I even like how this question was phrased. How do we not turn them away from Christians? Uh, Christians are going to turn people away from Christians. Like, Christian people are, are messed up because we're people, right? And I think if we focus on Christianity or religion or this church or that, uh, we're focused in the wrong spot. We need to point people to Jesus. It has to come back to Jesus. Who is Jesus? What did he do? The good news is the good news of Jesus. Yeah, and I had that same point, too. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 says this says that uh, we are human, but we don't wage wars, war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Then it goes on, verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And so this idea that it, it is important to have conversation with folks. It is important to be clear about the good news of Jesus. It, it is important to ask you know, questions and to hear people what they're thinking and viewing and their, where they're coming from and understand their thought and maybe understand it, it stems from a, a childhood trauma or something they've gone through. Um, but the, uh, the idea that we could um, convince through logic or reasoning someone when it's a spiritual dynamic that's happened when people have been captured um, I've sat across the table from folks um, who have been captured by some empty philosophies and from human thinking, and I've had other conversations with them, known real well, and had spiritual conversations. And then you get in these moments, and you, and, and sometimes I say out loud, uh, maybe not the best approach, but just be like, "Who, who is this person I'm talking to?" Because they just seem completely different. Like it doesn't seem like stuff is getting through to them, and it's really highlighted for me in those moments. Go, oh, oh, this, there's a spiritual dynamic and a spiritual level that's happening here that maybe I wasn't aware of. Um, and, and you can see people getting caught up uh, in some of this human thinking and empty philosophies and the work of the enemy uh, against, against us, and it's at work. Yeah, so good. 
And and I, I want to be clear, like there is a place for evangelism and, and we need to be able to give a reason for what we believe and know why we believe what we believe. And, and we'll get into this with some more of the questions. Um, and so when I make a statement like that, that there's nothing that I can ever say and there's nothing that you can ever say that will convince people that the love of Jesus is real, like that might be a polarizing statement. Like, no, I, I got really good answers. I have really good evidence. I know and I can argue from a scientific standpoint and I can do this and that. And, and all of those have a place. We should know why we believe what we believe. We should be grounded in the scripture and filled with the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. But I'm telling you, people have to experience Jesus to believe in Jesus. It's, I mean, it just, you're, my words will never do justice to the, the, the amazing love of Jesus Christ in my life. And when someone experiences that, I know that their life is changed. And so it has to start from a spiritual place. There's a good place for evangelism. You should talk to your friends. You should point them to Jesus. You should bring them to church. You should do all of those things. Um, but first and foremost, you should be praying for the Holy Spirit to do some amazing things in their life. Yeah, because I relate to Paul. Paul said all the time, he was like timid in person, bold, more bold in his letters. He wasn't the eloquent of speech, you know, stumbled over his words. Like he may have came up for a prayer moment right in the middle of a song and then like sat back down. Like, you know, you just Paul never did like, that? Oh, interesting. <laughs> Scott may have done that earlier. Like, eh. Hey, if, you, if you're watching you, on the live stream, though, uh, our tech team, shout out to the tech team, did a great job. They made you look good. Me, yeah. Cut me out. I was like, oh, just go back to Sam. Yeah. We're good. Like, my, so. first, my first thought was like, oh, I've been here before. Just sit back down. Come back up. <laughs> no big deal. But it's, it's really our approach, and, and we don't have time today uh, to go back through all the Judge Jesus and how we, how we approach people. And uh, uh, God doesn't need a defense lawyer. Some of us try to play God's defense lawyer. He's not on trial. He's the judge. He doesn't need any help in that department. And in our approach, like, and I'm super apologetic, and I love to have some good conversation. So it's not that. It's our approach and our heart motive and our intent as we're getting to help people. Uh, Romans 2, 4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended or does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? God's kindness, his tolerance and patience, and his ambassadors of Christ, as people who are representing Christ to others, like, let's look for receptive people, and let's look for receptive moments. Like, be on the lookout for when there's these open doors. Somebody asks a question, and you're on the ready. Versus like coming to people to tell them something, but be open and be available to use by God. Like, I don't know, like if you're approaching like the Christmas season, like there's going to be a lot of receptive people and receptive moments. Uh, people feel really bad around Christmas who aren't like following God and they just feel like I should ease my guilt and come to church. You're like, cool, we have Christmas Eve gatherings, uh, you know, like you can just invite them along in on that, right? Because they're more receptive to a moment to share your experience of like how God's changed you. Um, like you were saying, you're like, you know, it's not so much I'm coming with this high sounding like reasoning, but I'm just going to share, share with you how Jesus has changed my heart, how God has like, uh, you know, really impacted my life, that the power of God is at work to change people. Uh, and, and to have a, you know, myself have that motive to, I just want to let people know that who God is, um, and not necessarily come at them and come, uh, combative and come attacking, but just really this heart issue of like, I just want people to know God. And so through the kindness and um, the gentleness and patience that God has with me, may I do that with others. It's good. And then, I mean, I, I know I've said this kind of roundabout, but I think lastly, we just, we have to make the main things, the main things. 
I think a lot of times what turns people away from church and Christianity and religion is we, we make things that aren't big deals, big deals. And instead of majoring on Jesus, who he is, what he did, we major on things that, are, that we think are a big deal, that, that God never made a big deal. Um, and so, again, I think we, we get this, and, and even in the question a- asking these types of things, that it's easy to get to a, a very legalistic place or a very judgmental place instead of just focusing on the love of Jesus and who God is and what God did. And we're all real, and we have real emotions. And somebody threw this question out in light of this conversation of, like, how do we help people? They said, how do I deal with the people in this world when I feel more like Jonah and don't want to save them at all but let God destroy them? <laughs> yeah, and, again, we don't know who submitted these questions. I, I think that's great. I think that's a really transparent question. Um, it's an it's emotionally kind of charged question, but it's a real question that we've all experienced. You're like, really, God? Do you want me to be kind to them? Like, come on. Do I need to go, you know, over the, review the list of who they are and what they've done? And, like, you, there's grace for them, too, or there's forgiveness? Like, I don't think so. Hmm. Maybe somebody else can help them, but not me, right? I mean, if we're to be transparent, right? And then it's, it's again, for me, it comes back to that heart issue. Like, I got to, I got to circle, Scott's got to circle back around and go, okay, I've been forgiven by God. I've been loved by God. And I love all of that feel and I love all of that experience, like God's kindness and patience and goodness and faithfulness to me. And then who am I to hold that, you know, from others? Who am I to say, God, you've forgiven me, but I don't want to extend forgiveness to others? Jesus had some stuff to say about that. And so it really is a hard issue. Again, I love the transparency there and the honesty, um, but it comes back to... Yeah, and, and we put these two together because this is kind of a sub-point of the first point, I think. Like, okay, so you're saying uh, we should have an understanding for this high-sounding nonsense. but and, and we read a question like that at first, and we're like, wow, who's, who's angry, right? Uh, and then you're like, ugh. And like I, I did at first. I was like, wow, that's an that's a interesting stance. But then I like, as I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I'm there all the time. And, and we do that, and we, again, Scott, Scott mentioned it in this series, a lot, of the, a lot of reaction is, okay, well, when are we going to come against this nonsense? When are you going to tell people how wrong they are for believing this or going to that place or doing these things, right? And, and it becomes very divisive, and we go, yeah, I believe in God and his love and his grace for these people, but not those people. Because they believe those things, or they have done those things, or they have gone to those places, or whatever it is. And we, we do real hard and fast lines. We go, I know that I'm going to be right before God because of fill in the blank. Because I know the right things. I go to church enough. I give enough. I, whatever it is. Um, and then we make these really hard lines between other people. And uh, again, I think that we had a lot of this content in the Judge Jesus series uh, talking about this um, self-righteous attitude, which again, for me, is so easy to slip into because I, I know who Jesus is and I know yeah, the, the things, and so I can elevate myself um, in a really uh, not humble way. And uh, so I, I literally got this text on our text app, and then the next morning in my Bible reading, I read Matthew 9, uh, and I just was blown away by what Jesus says and how, how a- applicable it is to this part of our question. This is what Jesus, uh, this interaction Jesus had in, in Matthew chapter 9. It says this, starting in verse 10. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. Uh, but when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? And when Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you 
to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but to those who know they are sinners. And I was just, again, blown away at Jesus' words to uh, these people who thought they were better than everybody. And uh, again, it's so easy for me to slip into that, that spot of uh, self-righteousness. And Jesus had his harshest words of criticism for people who were self-righteous and thought they were better. And he said, you're, you're missing the point. It's, I'm not here to, to save people who think they got it all together. Uh, I'm here to come for people who know that they need a savior. And I'm here for them. And uh, that's all of us. We all fall into that category. We like to say at Mission Church, there's no perfect people allowed. Uh, we are all sinners in need of a Savior, and luckily Jesus came for us, and he gives us his grace and his mercy and love. So understanding that and having that right attitude and seeing the sin of others, I talked about this in one of our uh, Judge Jesus series, seeing the sin of others and, and responding with compassion and grace, that's what God did. I think the sin that we see in other people's lives should break our heart and cause us to love them, not make us angry and, and, and condemn them. Yeah. So lots more to say on that, and um, again, we just kind of move along here, try to answer as many questions as we can. So the next question is this. It says, what are some tools to help spot high-sounding nonsense within the Christian community? Uh, for example, prosperity-based gospel, legalistic Christianity, etc." And I thought this question was uh, kind of interesting because uh, of the context. They're saying, hey, what, what, how, do you, how do you identify maybe some of this stuff that sounds so close to the truth, but it's not while I'm at church? or while I'm at a community group, or while I'm talking with someone else who says they're a Jesus follower, right, in this Christian community. It's not so much you would be approaching someone who would definitely say up front they're agnostic or atheist or from a different religion. You're like, okay, at least we kind of know where we're starting from, so to speak, and have that conversation. So they're like, hey, how do I, how do I be on the lookout? Uh, which is, I love, uh, again, the question is, uh, you know, like, how do I make sure I'm not getting captured, right? Like, how do I me and help the others around myself. And I think just real quickly, um, it's, it's knowing the, the gospel. Like the greatest defense, if you will, is the best offense. So when you start to hear things, you go, whoa, 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 whoa. That's, that's, I know that's, you're starting to, to diverge a little bit, that if you know who Jesus is and that you know what the good news is, um, then that's the best way to, to do that. And this, the Holy Spirit is our guide in that. Uh, Jesus said this, that when he left, uh, the earth is, he said, it's going to be good, not only the, the death and resurrection, but when he leaves, that the spirit is going to come. And he says, I wanted to tell you a bunch of this stuff. Like, I wanted to keep telling you, but I can't because um, it's too much for you. And he says this in John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. And so the spirit is of truth is our guide into all truth. And we got to balance that out with the scriptures and with community, because if you just go, oh, I'm going to listen to the Spirit and all by myself, and I'm not going to get checked on any of it, mm, then you just make up a cult, because you just start making up your own stuff, and you tell people, don't Google us, don't read the Scriptures for yourselves. Like, you need all of that checks and balances. Others, the Scriptures, and obviously the Spirit guiding us into all truth. Yeah, I think that's a really specific way to answer what tools. I mean, those are the three. We have to do life in community. We have to have conversation and relationship. That's why we encourage you to get a, be in a group. This is great, gathering together, worshiping God, but there's not a depth of relationship in a circle that you're just having in a, in, a, in a straight line here. We need to get around in circles together and love one another and do life together and pray with one another. 
and check each other and ask questions together. Um, so you got people, you got the Holy Spirit, and you got the scriptures. Um, God doesn't contradict himself. It's not like, oh, this is what the scripture's talking about, and that contradicts somewhere, somewhere else. Uh, know those things. Scott, I think you set that up really, really well. Uh, counterfeit, the, re- the easiest way to tell a counterfeit is to have spent time with the real thing. If you've ever worked in the banking industry or even in just uh, service industries, they tell people all the time to, to, to tell a fake bill. They don't handle a bunch of fake bills and know that. They just they, they mess with the real thing so much that when you see a fake thing, it's so easy to tell because you've, you've spent so much time with what's real. And so know, know the gospel. Know who Jesus is. Know why you believe what you believe. Um, not because I said so. Not because Scott said so. Not because your favorite preacher said so. Um, but because God said it. Um, that's what uh, the early church did. Acts 17.11, uh, I love this verse that just talks about the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. So they listened to what he had to say, and then they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas uh, were teaching the truth. They said, hey, is this real? Because I'm going to go and I'm going to reference scripture and I'm going to let the Holy Spirit guide me. Because is what you say real because you have the microphone or because you're known or you're a celebrity or whatever it is? Uh, Know why you believe what you believe and why you know it's true. And again, through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God and through other people in your life, you can have that. It's funny. I was just I just paid in cash like yesterday with an old ten dollar bill. I had to like triple check. It looked fake because it was, you know, you know, you've seen like old bill. You're like, that's that doesn't look real. But they took my money. So it was good. So hopefully it was real. So if it was real or not, I got what I wanted. Okay. Um, one of the things, too, with as far as a specific tool, just ask yourself this question when you were presented with, like, part of the gospel or who Jesus is. It's just where does this line of thinking or this proposed theology end? And what I mean by that, does it end with you or does it end with God? Like, is it is life about you for you? Or is it about God? Like, you know, God just wants you to be happy, and so if you just do this thing, you'll succeed, you'll have success, you'll take it to the next level. Period. Like, if the thinking and the preaching, and again, not every line, of because we've said stuff like that, I've said stuff like that, but in light of so that God gets the glory, so that God's kingdom is expanded, so that others are served, so that other people uh, can experience the love of God. But does the, the thinking, what is proposed is it all about you, for you, by you, and about you? And if it ends with you as the listener, I would say that is, you know, I would go flags up, radar up, like, wait, wait, what do you mean by that? Because that sounds a lot like um, this life's about me and for me, and Jesus came not to serve but to, you know, to be served but to serve others, um, that the life of Christ is my life is not my own, that I was bought with a price, and the life I live, I no longer live, but I live by the Spirit of God for God for his kingdom, for his glory, and not for myself. So if the, the preaching, the teaching ends with you, and it's by you, for you, and about you, and it's not, it's high sound and nonsense. It may feel good, may give you over, over like a tough time, might get you the, the emotional oomph you need for a moment. There's definitely some good stuff that comes out of it, but some of these false teachers, it's like, sounds good. There's half truth in there. There's partial truth in there, but ultimately, their overall teaching ends with you, the listener. Yeah. It's It's... I would say it's high sounding nonsense for it's the good. most part. It's good. I, I would just add to that. I think we the, the the flip side of that is true as well. Where does this come from? Where does it start and where does it end? Because uh, if it's not grounded in God's truth uh, and then it doesn't end there, that's that's a bad bad situation. Let's move on. Next question: uh, How do we best help our children filter, detect, combat high sounding nonsense when they are being bombarded on so many levels and in so many ways? 
let you take this one, Scott. All right, yeah. Because I have three kids. Yeah, three kids. Okay, yeah. all right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you got a lot to say. I mean, you've worked with kids for uh, yeah, I have, but you know, over a decade, long time. Um, so this is obviously kids specific. So it's a little bit different than maybe just helping our friend or family member. Although a lot of the principles over overlap, and you know, it, it's one of those things as a parent. If you're a parent, and even if you're not, you have people in your life that are younger that you're just heart like goes out to them a little bit more, right? And you just like you want better for your kids or the kids that are in your influence, you want better for them than what you have had, right? Is growing up, their experiences, their faith, their confidence in God, their, uh, you know, avoiding mistakes in life. Isn't that true? Okay. Yes. Three of us are yes. like, isn't that true? Thanks, Dean. Yes, all right, Scott, all right. that is Come true. I was just making sure. I, no, I'm, right, I'm trying to there. get the energy yeah, there. Let's yeah, let's go. Let's go. We've been talking for a while. You got yeah, to shake, shake it out it a little up. bit. I appreciate that. I brought my coffee, so, you know, we're... Yes. So here's the deal. We're kind of riding this tension. Do I, do I guard my kids or do I expose my kids? When I think about this, like, wait, 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 we got to guard them from all this stuff. They're bombarded and there's stuff out there and they're six and they're 16 and they're very receptive. Wait, no, we need to expose them. So if they're not super sheltered, so when they get out uh, of the bubble that we put them in and they're 18 and they come out in the real world and they're like, oh my goodness, this is a, what's happening out here. And they're not prepared and equipped. So that's a tension to always be managed. So as a parent, I would encourage you, don't try to resolve that tension. Let it be there. I think if you resolve that tension of guarding, we got to guard them, we got to guard them. Well, we got to expose them, we got to expose them, we got to expose them. If you're trying to resolve that and find a spot to land on, I think we miss it as parents. It's a tension to always be managed means it's subjective, it's the kid, the context, the situation. Like, real practically, I never let my kids run into the street and just kind of see what a car would feel like. Okay? So I guarded them from that, you know? Like, we talked about it. They didn't have to experience that to know that's bad, okay? But at the same time, there's some stuff that we let them, you know, as, as little kids and even now, like, fail on a few things. Like, you see it coming, and you're like, well, this is a learning opportunity. They need to experience some of that failure so that there is this growing season, this growing moment, and experiencing that. So... That's kind of the thought I had. So the best thing you could do, again, is just to help your kids develop their own faith, diving deep into Jesus. And when you want to approach the scriptures, read about Jesus, read the Gospels. If you start in the Old Testament, just as, with a, as an adult, you, you get a few pages in, you're like, this is the story of God? You know what I mean? There's a lot of questions and a lot of things. Like the story of Noah is awesome. There's cute animals, and there's a big boat, and who doesn't love water? And then if a kid reads the context, they're like, wait, God was angry and he killed everybody on the planet. You're like, yeah, let's go back to the flannel graphs of cute elephants and giraffes. It doesn't, it's hard in their faith to reconcile that. Like, so to, to know who Christ is, it gives us understanding of all of that. Yeah, that goes back to my point earlier again, that make the main things the main things. That uh, we want to set an anchor in in students and in kids' faith that when they grow up and make their own decision, they're not going to go far because they've been anchored to their faith. And that faith has to be anchored in Jesus. If it's anchored to anything else, I, I can't tell you how many countless times I've interacted with students and they have this crisis of faith because they're like, man, I don't know if I can believe that God made the world in seven literal days. And I go, I don't care. Do you believe in Jesus? Right? Like, I mean, I'm sorry. Like, if you're like, no, our faith has, you can't believe in evolution. I'm like, I'm sorry. You're anchoring your faith to the wrong thing. Right? Anchor it to Jesus. 
And I don't know if you might be mad at me right now. You're like, you're my pastor? Yeah, like I want to love Jesus and help people love Jesus, right? And, and I think that if we major on these things, we're setting our kids up to fail because we're anchoring their faith to something that Jesus never said their faith should be anchored to. I do believe that God created the world in seven days. I do believe in all of these. I do believe in Noah's Ark, all these things. But again, if we start there as the foundation for their faith, it's the wrong foundation. We have to anchor their faith to Jesus. Yeah, like the story of Jonah. Like some people are like, oh, I can't believe in the Bible and Jesus just because of this story of a big fish, a guy got swallowed. I don't know that that's true. Was that the anchor of your faith? That's the foundation of your faith? Like know who Jesus is. Jesus said... He validated all the Hebrew scriptures. He believed them. So I'm going to go with Jesus, and he said they were good. I'm going to go with that. He said that the Jonah story happened not only for the Ninevites so they would repent and uh, come to Christ and their life would be changed, but also was a sign that led to Christ of the death and resurrection for three days. Like, it was the sign of Jonah. And so, like, if you go with Jesus, then, you know, your faith's in Christ anchored in him. The other thing with kids, um, kind of a different note a little bit, but on that same topic, is there's, there's objective truth and there's subjective preferences. And that's hard to understand and to grow up in. And again, we're kind of hitting that with the scriptures. And so to understand, there's a lot of stuff that's just being bombarded with like media, right? And all the stuff that they hear from outside influences. And you may have picked a school for your kid to go to or not go to based on what you want them to hear. And, and that's great. You should be doing those things to guard and to expose kids to the right things at the right time. Um, but then also just know that it's ongoing all the time conversation. Um, movies. Can we just talk about movies for a second? There's a lot of TV shows. There's a lot of media. We have a generation uh, that's grown up and has for the last probably decade that is just like screens are everywhere and that's normal. Us older folks are like, screens, you know? Like you took a road trip with pen and a paper and your Walkman, you know, right? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. And then I'm like, at road trip, I'm like, praise God for screens. This is great, you know? <laughs> and I love it. But like, let me just read you a quote here. And I'm no aficionado on this, but Frozen 2, have you seen this movie? Okay, yeah. I don't even know if I've seen it, but somebody else was talking about it, and I looked it up, and it's, it's good. It says this, she says this, Elsa's mom says this to her, you are the one you've been waiting for, and then I think she sings all of my life. Anybody, can anybody nod on that? You know what I'm talking about? Nope. Okay. Sure, I believe you, because you got the microphone. I'm going to go check it afterwards. You should check it. But put that in my notes. But that's just kind of the climax of the movie, this moment. Like, you're the one you've been waiting for to save yourself to make everything right is the point that she's getting to. And the idea that you could save yourself, that you don't need to look anywhere else, that within you is the strength to make things right in your life. Like, it's subtle. It's sneaky. But it's the main point. And I'm not picking on Disney or Frozen 2. I don't, you know, don't come at me. Like, I, I watched the movie. Have you seen the Olaf Presents, the shorts? Oh, those are hilarious. Have you seen those? Nope. Oh, my goodness. It's a good 11 minutes of your life. Okay. It's so good. It's so funny. Olaf does. We're going to get off track. We're oh, not, I'm watching so the timer. Good. Keep going you should, on your you should, actual stuff. There. He does, like, all the characters from Mermaid in, like, trying, two minutes. Trying. It's so great. Keep going. Anyways, I'm just trying to tell you. What were you saying about Elsa and stuff? Yeah, just got bombarding. Oh, okay. You're like, hey, you know, I need a few minutes as a parent. Here, watch a show, right? We've all done that. Here, watch this. Here, watch it on repeat over and over and over again so you can quote all the lines. I can still quote like a bazillion lines from Ace Ventura because, you know, I grew up in the 90s. What's, you know, what's happening with kids is they are getting bombarded and then they just love to watch it over and over and it's on repeat. 
And so are the things of Christ on repeat with your kids and looking for these teachable moments of objective truth versus subjective um, just preference. And I heard this the other day. I'm stealing it is uh, this this idea. And we it came up. My kids and I and Amy were hiking this week and it, this idea of objective truth came up on the trail. And so we just took this teachable moment. And I said, have you guys heard the, the, the skydiving analogy? And my kids hadn't. Um, I said, there's three guys who getting in a plane to go skydiving. The first one really believed with all of his heart that he was going to fly when he jumped out. So he put on a Superman outfit. The second one believed with all of his heart, know it to be true, had even heard it from others that, you know, he was sufficient in and of himself that he was going to jump out and go up. So he put a space suit on. And the third one said, when I jump out, I'm going to go straight down. So they put a parachute on. What happened? And this is a great exercise to have a conversation about the difference between subjective preference and what you think to be true, feel to be true, what you really just want to be true versus what is true, regardless if I think it is true or not, and the truth of who God is. It's his universe, how he's made life, how we should live life, like the, the way to follow Jesus and the way that life works um, really just brings up that conversation to, to dive deep on who Jesus is and why we would follow him. And that, that way your confidence goes into who Christ is and not into a self-confidence. And as kids growing up and as adults, we can all agree, man, I would like to have more confident moments, right? Wouldn't you like to be less insecure about yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. And so kids are growing up, like we want them as parents to have more confidence than we have and had as kids, but we don't want them to have self-confidence. And it's a tricky tension to be managed that they would have confidence in who God is and the way of life and not just self-confidence. Yeah, so good. I, I think that that's, again, the bottom line is, is, again, anchoring their faith in Jesus and continue to have those teachable moments. I heard this quote from Andy Stanley. It's kind of on the other end because I think a lot of times, right, we, a lot of us grow, grew up with our parents telling us the difference between right or wrong. He said this, your parents, think about this with your experience with your parents. Your parents' behavior, not their advice, determined whether or not you wanted to be like them or with them, the way they behaved. And I think about that with my parents. I love my parents to death because they're generous. I, I, I literally come into contact with friends way after high school, and almost every time they ask me, how are your parents doing? And I never quite got that. I'm like, well, I don't ask about your parents. <laughs> like, I don't remember your parents' names. My parents were so loving and generous to me and my friends that my friends had an impact on, because of it, that they just knew my parents were loving and caring, and they lived that out. Like when we put into the practice the love of Jesus, when we love one another, when we are generous, when we bear each other's burdens, our kids will notice and will want to be like that. And then when we can tie that to Jesus, hey, the reason we're generous is because of Jesus. The reason we're putting together blessing boxes for Trent is because Jesus loved us, right? Your kids are going to pick up on that behavior. You can tell them all you want. Here's what you need to believe and here's what the Bible says. They're going to see the way you treat each other and all that what you say is going to go out the window. So if you love well and do that, I mean, man, that's going to go deep into your kids. Yeah, that is teaching as a parent. Yep. It's not like more is caught than taught. I think you're teaching through the catching. You're, what you do is, is part of the teaching. Uh, two quick things that we can move on. One, I came across a podcast. It's Seven Lies Your Kids Will Believe Unless You Do Something. And I listened to it. It's about an hour long. It's phenomenal. It, it, like the third one was like the you do you culture. And I'm like, hey, hey, we're doing that. That's great. And so uh, I'll link that out to, on social to, uh, later today. And then, again, just being on the lookout, guarding versus tension, that tension, guarding versus exposing, guarding versus exposing, taking these teachable moments to talk about who Jesus is. Again, you have to decide. You're the parents. You have to decide for your kids and your family what's appropriate, not appropriate, but to be more mindful of that. Just even Amy and I were shopping the other day. We went through a, a store that they 
didn't really hit it on the bullseye. Um, it was the journal section. We were getting a calendar, and it was this three journals like ne next to each other. Uh, the Moon Journal, a journey of self-reflection through the astrological year. Uh, love is love was the next one, which I always think, well, what definition of love are we working from? Who gets to define love? And then the third one was just a, kind of like a, almost like a star-looking uh, thing. It said, find your true direction. And so if you, you know, you got a kid who wants a journal, and like, oh, this one looks cute, and just, I mean, it's just one of those things. You got to be on the lookout as a parent, to garden, to help them know Christ and expose them to what's out there and help them understand an age-appropriate level. That's good. Last question as we wrap up. How do you explain why your faith is not shaken, even if facing a disease or tragedy when talking to a non-believer? I love this question. It's a great question uh, because it can be hard to understand. In, in fact, the way that the Bible talks about peace is a peace that surpasses understanding. So it doesn't make sense. It's hard to understand. So it's reasonable for someone to go, why do you have peace? I don't understand it. Like, exactly. That's the point. It's, it's, it's beyond understanding. Um, I think really quickly, re super easy things that I always talk about, and, and I think this is really easy to see, even in our world, really easy to understand. There's people with money that aren't happy. There's people with the, their dream job, their dream spouse, whatever it is, that aren't happy. Um, I just put it this way. Peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace is found in the presence of God. You, the only way you ever experience peace, the way that you were designed to experience peace is in the presence of God in the person of Jesus Christ. That's hard to understand. I get it, but I love starting from there. I, I know. I don't understand. I should not have peace, but peace isn't found in the absence of problems. Peace isn't found in the, the prosperity of life. Peace is found in the presence of God. Uh, two scriptures. One, Isaiah put it this way, 26 uh, verse 3 as he's talking about this idea of peace. You will keep, talking about God, God will keep in perfect peace all those who trust you, all those whose thoughts are fixed on you. It's a mindset stuff. A lot of times, if someone comes up, I'm like, You're, the reason you don't have peace is because your mind is fixed on your problems, your mind is fixed on what you want next, or your mind is fixed on yourself. The reason I have peace is because my thoughts are fixed on God, and he is higher than me. And Jesus said it this way in John 14, 27, repeated that same idea. He said, I'm leaving you a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give you is a gift that the world cannot give. You can't get this peace for more stuff. You can't get this peace through trying hard. It's something that I will give you. So do not be troubled or afraid. Jesus gives peace, and he gives it abundantly. And so if you're looking somewhere else for your peace, you're going to be sorely, sorely disappointed. If you look for Jesus, you will find peace. Yeah, and I know it probably sounds like we're on repeat a lot, uh, but it, it's because it's the answer is to be grounded in who Christ is. And, and for some times and some situations and with some people, you go, uh, it's Jesus. And that's all the explanation I have because the peace doesn't make sense. The, um, the reality that life here on earth isn't the totality of life. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 and 14 just says, we grieve when people die, we grieve just like everybody else grieves. It's sad. It's heartbreaking. It's not fun. It's difficult. But we grieve with hope because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. And sometimes I think people blow by that and go, oh, we just don't grieve as, as humans, as Christians. It's like, no, no, no. It's heartbreaking when there's death. It's horrible. It's tragic. It's not God's plan. Death is an enemy to God, and death gets thrown away later. But 
life is different here on earth because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so we grieve with people with hope because we will see them again. We will be reunited in Christ. And that's just one of the many examples of, like you're saying, like, why do you have peace? Why are you considering it pure joy when you're going through trials and all this other stuff? Well, somehow it all like works out great because Jesus is involved and he's in charge. And there's good stuff that comes out of this, this trial, this disease, this, you know, tragedy we're going through. Yeah, that's good. And it's, I think there's got to be just a, a genuine authenticity and vulnerability and realness to it. Um, you hear us up from the, the stage even often just trying to be authentic and real. Life's not perfect. It's not always easy. And so that, that facade and that fake, you know, hey, I, everything's great because of Jesus. I mean, Jesus even said that. He said, hey, in this life, you will face troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. There still is stuff in life that sucks and is really hard but that we have a different perspective because our thoughts are fixed on something higher. And so I think it's easy to go, you know what, it is hard to deal with this disease, this death, this thing, but my thoughts are placed in a different place and I have a different result because of Jesus. And again, I don't, I don't want to like be a, a broken record or sound too cheesy, but Jesus will always be the answer and we can answer that and focus on that. So thank you so much. We got a lot more <laughs> that we could say on these questions and more questions. I invite you to tune into the podcast where we will continue to kind of dive into some of this stuff. I actually found out that this last series, this series and the one before are our highest viewed series ever in uh, on our both our YouTube and our Facebook channel, all this kind of stuff. People are digging into this content. So thank you for talking about it and for sharing it and for viewing online. Let's continue to help uh, people find and follow Jesus as we focus on who he is and what he's doing. Would you pray with me?